Hi, welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Dr. Candace Hoff, who is owner of Visionary Eye Care in West Dickinson, North Dakota, which is burying them or shoveling themselves out <laughs> of the recent snow. Would that be accurate? That would be very accurate, yes. <laughs> well, Thanks, Candace. So happy you were able to to join. I know we had to, due to weather, we had to push this back a couple times. I asked you to join me on this this podcast to talk about something that that you're doing that a lot of ODs ask about, but I haven't seen many successfully execute, and that would be offer an in-house insurance plan. And a lot of doctors will ask things like, how would I set that up? Will it work? How do I market this to my patient. So I invited you on to answer some of those questions for others who who might be interested in this option. And before we get into the the nuts and bolts, let me just first ask, why did you feel it was necessary to create an, an in-house insurance plan? Yeah. And I, I guess I want to start first semantics wise. We want to be really careful about not calling this insurance. It isn't an insurance plan. Um, it's just a discount plan. So we want to make sure that legally we're, we're clear about that. So um, this is just an in-house discount plan that we offer to patients. Um, and you know, I guess the origination of, of the idea, and I certainly can't take credit for being the first person who thought of this, there were some uh, really smart and, and far more ambitious ODs than I who, who originally kind of thought up this plan. But um, as a business owner, I was sort of raised on the importance of butts and seats in our, our practice, right? and the idea of not putting barriers between the patient and your office. Um, and for a lot of years at my practice, that meant we had a really positive relationship with managed care. We trained our st staff carefully to maximize reimbursements. Um, we were profitable and with the help of managed care, we were growing really rapidly. Um, but unfortunately, as a lot of practice owners know that the relationship with managed care has, has become increasingly um, one-sided, especially you know, with wages on the increase and inflation, it's just really hard not to have control over some of those um, income and expense lines in the budget. Um, we also personally inside the practice had some changes in our associate um, doctor staff. And like many others have been finding recruiting additional associates to be really slow and super difficult. Um, so we sort of are in this catch 22 where we are blessed to have this abundance of patients who want to do business with us. But, you know, we don't really have the doctor staff to, to get them through in a timely fashion. So um, last year, around this time, our leadership team um, decided that we kind of wanted to move out of network with two of our smaller vision plans that had become really, really impossible to do business with. And the amount of revenue they represented were consuming a disproportionate amount of staff time. Um, and so I'm a really big believer in transparency with my staff. We talk about a lot of stuff <laughs> and I'm really open with them. And so I just sat down with the entire staff and said like, hey, here's why I wanna go against my sort of more the merrier philosophy. And what do you think that would look like for each of you kind of in your individual roles, knowing that you know, going out of network affects every staff member in terms of their patient interaction. So that's kind of how it started. Duly noted moving forward, this will not be called insurance. It will be called a discount. And I know that, but it shows you how, how easily we can make that mistake. So it's a, a great call out. Um, so 
people are probably wondering, how did you do it? Can you, can you provide an, an overview of what this plan looks like? Yeah, certainly. Um, I guess I'll just kind of start with how we came to this idea, basically. Um, in talking with the staff, there were two really central ideas that we kept circling back to, that the staff kept circling back to. And the first one was really a what we don't want to do type of, of point. Um, and we had come across this situation maybe a year or two back where another office, another OD office in our community had dropped an insurance plan. And we suddenly started seeing a lot of new patients coming from this office uh, after they changed. And we realized really quickly that these patients were really angry. And they weren't really so much angry that the office had chosen to go out of network, but it was the way they had went about it. There was a real lack of transparency and honesty regarding you know, how going out of network would affect the cost to the patients. And the staff were on the receiving end of a lot of these secondhand complaints about this other office. And so they very much were like, we don't want to do that. We need to make sure that we don't repeat their mistakes. And then the other thing we talked so much about is just, you know, how do we retain these patients? Um, and I didn't really have a great answer for them when, when we started. I assumed like many people that, you know, if we went on a network, a lot of them um, would, would leave the practice. And I listened to a lot of articles and podcasts and lectures, and I didn't really feel like anybody had a really good answer to that question. I felt like the attitude oftentimes was like, oh, you don't need those vision plan patients or it'll make room in your schedule for private pay patients. And philosophically, I just didn't really buy into that. Um, we know from past experience that about 85% of our community has vision insurance of some kind, which I think as a community is good. It means that our community is employed by solid, good quality uh, employers who can provide insurance and benefits. Um, so to me saying that I don't need vision plan patients was just factually untrue unless I wanted my office to really shrink in size. Um, I don't believe that there's like this hoard or this cachet of cash paying patients out there who are suddenly going to like manifest on my schedule if I'm no longer out of network with some other insurance or if I'm booked out, you know, a week instead of two or three months. Um, so the, the retention was a big issue and making sure that we were really clear and honest with, with patients. Um, so the staff, truly get a lot of credit for what we ended up deciding on because they're in the trenches, right? They're the ones having these conversations with patients. They're on the receiving end of all the complaints about how much things cost they're talking about and pricing out eyewear and contacts and all that. So um, if anybody's thinking about doing this, I just cannot stress enough. You've got to, of course, look at your individual um, costs and your expenses and you know where you want to be income-wise. That, of course, will vary by practice. Um, but you cannot get too much feedback from your staff about how you want to do this. Everyone I've talked to that's done this successfully tells me how much effort they put into the, the messaging and the staff training. Even yeah. doctors saying months and months out, yeah. they started putting the effort into working with the uh, the staff, both as a team and individually. And and that was such a big component of what they did. And, and it's interesting when you look for answers and I think you probably found this too, you get a lot of, I think there's a lot of emotionally charged uh, rationale out there for dropping uh, for dropping insurance that isn't always grounded in logic or strategy. So you can say, I don't need vision plans, but no practice can say, I don't need patients. So you got to figure out how to make that work. If you're going to drop vision plans, don't just do it on some emotionally 
charged um, reasoning, but rather have a strategy going in, which is one of the reasons I, I asked you I asked you on. It's speaking of strategy, in terms of um, insurance, because you are taking people that had insurance and now all of a sudden you're making the strategic move toward uh, potentially dropping some plans of patients that you were able to see before. How do you use the plan in conjunction with insurance? Yep. So one thing that, again, we, we talked about a lot is the staff, and this was a, a concern that they had, is um, some of our larger or bigger insurance plans um, no longer do coordination of benefits. Um, and a lot of our patients, you know, have, of course, medical insurance, and we use our medical insurance for their visit. Um, but sometimes they have high deductibles and, of course, you know, end up with a really big bill or they don't have benefits for eyewear and, and, you know, we're losing some of those patients or we're getting some pushback from them on, on cost wise. Um, so because this is a discount plan and not insurance, um, we basically treat it as any other coordination of benefit plan. So if there's a medical reason for the visit, of course, we bill their primary medical insurance. If it comes back, you know, due to deductible, then we will apply the IQ discount um, after it runs through medical. So that's been a really, really effective way to sort of get the best of both worlds. We also don't then have to worry about trying to figure out what the medical patient will pay at checkout time, which was something we always worried about, right? We don't know if they've met their deductible, if they're going to have a, a you know, a $5,000 deductible and their $300 worth of eye exam will all come back to them or if it's gonna be covered in full. And so this way we can, the way we've structured the cost of services um, with the IQ plans, we basically can tell them, we're going to bill this through your medical insurance because there's a medical reason for the visit, but the maximum out of pocket that you will spend for the exam itself is you know, $100 basically as an example. So that way at least we're kind of controlling expectations on the patient side of things. And we can do what we legally need to do in terms of billing medical when it's appropriate. So if I could circle back to messaging, because I think that's such a, I think we'd agree that's such a big part of it. And what you saw was the downside of another office in your town that did it and, and perhaps didn't do it in a way that was um, satisfactory to the patients that they saw. How did you communicate this plan to your patients? And, and perhaps a two-part question here, what has, uh, what was the reaction from your patients? And I imagine it varies, but if you could give us some insight, because this is an area that a lot of practice owners lose sleep over is what's going to happen. What's the reaction going to be? Is everybody going to leave me? So I think these two are very important. How did you message it and communicate that to your patients, but also what was the response that you got? Yeah, we decided that we felt just from a patient knowledge and understanding um, standpoint that we didn't want to like send a letter or a mass email or anything like that. Um, we felt like the patient would trust the information coming directly from our staff since they know us and, you know, that just a more personal way of approaching. Um, so we, again, spent a lot of time talking about this up front. We, we seriously worked on this plan hardcore for six months before we even were remote, remotely close to kind of rolling it out. Um, and we knew when our term date would be on some of the vision plans that we were dropping. We obviously knew that in advance. Um, so as those patients were calling to schedule appointments after their termination date, we would just have a really brief conversation with them over the telephone. And we wrote scripts. Everybody kind of contributed to what the script would look like. But it basically was, hey, we're really sorry to tell you this, but, you know, your next appointment, 
we had to make a change. We're going to be out of network with your insurance. We still would love to see you. We have some really awesome in-house discount plans that can save you some money. And then you can combine that in-house discount plan with filing out of network for your insurance. And instead of having them send us a little check, they're going to send you a check directly. Um, and so it was a really brief kind of two-minute conversation with the patient over the telephone. Um, but I think because it came from a staff member directly, there was a lot less resistance. The patients could ask questions right up front. We had um, a letter that I wrote that really, again, I believe in like full honesty. So I literally wrote in that letter, like, this is how much the insurance company pays me. And I think my staff and I are worth more than that, or I can't afford to pay my staff living wages with the amount they're paying. Like, full honesty, right? <laughs> and so um, I offered, or we would offer, like, if you'd like a more detailed explanation about why we had to make this change, I'm happy to send you this letter from Dr. Hoff. We can text it or email it or snail mail it to you if you'd like. Um, very few people took us up on that offer. They were satisfied with our verbal explanation, just like, hey, we're really sorry, we can't do this anymore. Um, and then, you know, sort of segued into, let us send you some information right away about this discount plan that we're offering in the office. You know, it can save you at least $250 on the day that you're here, plus more by the time the insurance sends you some money. And so we made, um, for anybody who's watching, I made this um, basically a spreadsheet kind of showing um, the enrollment cost for each of the plans, um, what the cost of services would be with the exam, and then the benefits for contacts and for classes um, broken out. So it's just a one-page document. We could, again, email that or text it to the patient in advance if they wanted to review that, um, which a fair number of people took us up on, on that, reviewing it um, beforehand. On the back side of that document, we just put some frequently asked questions that we anticipated getting. And again, the staff members, you know, they knew what questions the patients were going to ask. So we kind of had that teed up. And again, we could send that in advance for the patients to review, which was really helpful. I think that minimized the amount of time at check-in, which was one thing that was really important to the staff. Like, hey, we don't have 30 minutes to talk about this when the patient walks in. We need to have them already sort of teed up, like they already know that they're going to do it, or they just maybe have a few clarif clarifying questions that we can get through really quickly so that we're not waylaid and bogged down at check-in with explaining all of this to them. So that was really um, our approach. You, remind me how many years you've you've owned this practice? Um, 2023 is going to be my 10th year. So, okay. Um how important is loyalty? And I only ask that because you're not new to practice. You've had an opportunity to, to build relationships, not with, with your patient base, with, within your community. How important is loyalty to this? If somebody is going to take this route of, of dropping vision plans and they're asking people to stay with the practice, because you should, you, okay, Candace Hoff, you just challenged my thinking on something. And I, and I, I, I agree with you, but it, it got me thinking of something in a different way. I've always sort of taken the approach of make it all about the patient and, and, you know, don't make it about you and what you, you're not getting paid enough money. But at the same time, as I heard you say that, I'm also putting myself in the position of the patient thinking if I've received great care and I am loyal to your practice, that might resonate with me that I don't want to see you guys have to accept that kind of a reimbursement and it, it would mean a little bit more than a business that I really didn't have any loyalty to. And you're left thinking it, that's not my problem. I'm looking at it through the, the eyes of a consumer. So I'm just curious your thoughts on patient loyalty in terms of the, what kind of success you might expect if you went down this road. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I totally think that it's a two-way street. Like the patient absolutely has to have trust and loyalty in the doctor and the staff too. Like they have to believe that when we're presenting this option that it's really in their best interest that they do it. One of the most common questions that we get from patients is what's the catch? Are you gonna charge my card every year for this? Or like you're hiding something, right? And so a lot of it is really just like handholding going, no, there's no catch. This is not an outside company that's offering it. It is just me as your doctor saying, I want you to continue to be a patient here, but I understand that costs are really high because we're dealing with this insurance. And, you know, I still value you. I still want you to come here, but, you know, I can't pay my staff when your insurance company is giving me less than $10 for a pair of glasses. Um, and, and I truly had some of those conversations in the exam room going, you know, we all agree that, you know, we can't survive on the wages we made 10 years ago. We haven't got a raise from your insurance plan in, in over a decade. And, and so we just had to make a change because we don't want to sacrifice the care and the equipment and the way that we take care of you. And the patients were so, so receptive to that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's really important as an office that we're making sure that we're respectful of their time and being loyal back, you know, in return to the patient, that we are offering a legitimately good discount to them, that we're not taking advantage of them with this plan. Um, one of the conversations that, that we had as a staff is, you know, yes, we, we like to think that our office is fantastic and that we're doing things better and different than, you know, other offices in our community. But, you know, I asked my staff, like if you, for example, say you really, really, really love your dentist, would you continue to see your dentist if it cost you 200, 600 or $800 more every year? And for a family of four, you know, are you willing to pay $3,000 more a year? Like how much do you love your dentist? Mm -hmm. Even if the staff is really friendly and the office is beautiful, like, is it worth it? Um, and I think as a consumer, even for myself, I don't know that I'm really that loyal to my dentist that <laughs> I would pay that much money. And so as much as we'd like to think that, yeah, our office is doing things different and better in the mind of the patient, um, I don't know if we are or if they perceive that. Um, I'm lucky in my community, I don't have a lot of corporate optometry, um, which I think is an easier differentiator. Like it's easier for me to differentiate my office, you know, compared to a corporate office. Um, but I have three really good private practices less than three miles from my door. Um, and it's a lot harder, I think, to differentiate why the patient would stay here and pay more with me than, you know, going a mile down the street to another legitimately good private practice. Um, so the trust and loyalty thing is really important, but I think it goes both ways that you have to generally be looking out for the best interest of the patient as well, um, which I think has been one difficult thing for me and for the staff here is because we offer this to patients who were coming in uninsured before, they're paying less now or uninsured patients are paying less. Um, and that's something that we've had to kind of accept that like, okay, this is the way it is, but we're going to offer it to everybody because that's the fair, right, moral thing to do here. We can't just offer this to insurance patients because we want them to stay. We're going to offer it to everybody across the board. So there's been some like hard swallowing over, um, you know, seeing some of those um, patient revenue numbers go down a little bit. Uh, but our hope is in the long term that, you know, that will balance it out by making us less dependent on the managed care where we have zero control over revenue. 
And a lot of the messaging I've seen has some element of letting the patient know actually what they're giving up by having insurance. Because I don't think most healthcare consumers even realize that. You just look at it as this is a benefit of my job. I have health insurance. It's something I get. But at the same time, a lot of the messaging I've seen really focuses on what the patient loses by using their insurance, as opposed to having, you know, whether it's better service, whether it's more options, all the things that we know and complain about. But Letting the patients know that as well. I think it at least plants the seed. I always tell people, you're not going to retain everybody. You're not going to lose everybody. You're not going to retain everybody. And I've seen that percentage of patients that stay with the practice vary quite a bit. But I, I think one thing you want to plant in the mind of people is, oh, I didn't realize by having insurance that I, I have, whether it's limited options or whatever else that the patient actually foregoes by having that. It is, are there any particular... Um, maybe you can help other pro offices prepare any top questions or concerns that patients have, have had. Yeah. The number one question is what's the catch. Oh, what's the, okay. <laughs> what's the catch. We have actually, we, we laugh when this happens, but we've actually had a few patients that are like, no, I don't think I want to do that. And we're showing them the bottom line, like you're saving $250. Like, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to do this? Mm, no, I just, no, I don't feel right about it okay. <laughs> I don't know how you answer that question, uh, but that has been interesting. That has come up a handful of times where the patient just, you know, maybe there isn't that trust and loyalty with our office where they just don't feel like there isn't a catch in there somewhere. <laughs> so that has been really funny when that happens. <laughs> Unexpected. I, I think though, if that's the question you're getting, you must be doing some things right because the offer sounds pretty good. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I think the way we have it presented, I know we had played around a lot with um, like doing percentages versus like doing a brochure that we could hand out. Um, and the really simple like table format, I think worked really well for us um, because it just makes it really super cut and dry. Like, you know, you're spending $50. And on an exam, you're saving, you know, 145. Um, and it's it's just a really straight visual. So um, if, if you're thinking about offering, I think that's super important is that you make whatever you're giving to the patient very, very simple to understand. Like it should be a simple adding and subtracting type table um, where the, everything is really clearly and simply laid out. We had also learned from some of our other marketing work that we had done in the past that our patients responded a lot better to dollar amounts versus percentages. Um, you know, you could offer a patient 20% off on a $500 frame and they didn't seem like they reacted as well as they would to like a $50 gift card. You know, even though the 20% off was better, they felt better and they were more compelled to spend or buy when they had that dollar amount in their hand. Um, so we really tried to avoid using percentages off and it was really, you know, focusing on, on dollar amounts again, to make it really easy for the patient to calculate in their head. Okay. This is how much um, I would be saving. In fact, one of the changes we're making for 2023 is to get rid of the percentage discounts that we are currently offering on lenses and just again, do straight dollar amounts. And it takes a lot of thinking to figure out how that works for the practice. Um, but the patients respond much, much better to dollar amount discounts as opposed to percentages off. I'm reading a book right now and it's actually a book on sales. And the, one of the, the stories in the book is the, the author as a, 
one of his early sales positions, one of the top salesmen and the people, he convinced him to to sit down and sort of mentor him. And he goes, okay, he goes, go get a notebook, get a pen, sit down. I'm going to tell you like everything I know. And it ended up being like one sentence. He said, are you ready? He goes, make people feel stupid for saying no. And that was it. So it's interesting what you said before, like, why wouldn't you do this? And and I think we sometimes have to challenge ourselves because I think there's a an inclination to maybe defend everything we do to the point of, of not wanting to be, not wanting to give anything away, not wanting to give away our services. There's a little bit of a balance there because at the same time, you got to put yourself in the consumer's position too. And to make something sound really almost stupid easy for them to do is like how can we position this where you could honestly say what why wouldn't you do this now some reluctance just shows you the 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 a little bit of the the fear of risk people have in in moving forward which you're not going to eliminate all of that but i think making this offer really attractive does cause people to pause and say okay this probably is best to stay with you even though i have i have insurance so Candace, one last question if uh, the on the topic of employee training. Can you expand on that a little bit? I think you said you spent six months training the staff. Anything in particular you did? Was it scripting? Was it role play to get them prepared for what they were going to have to face was all these questions and concerns coming from patients? Yeah, I think I think we didn't do really any like specific training because the entire staff was so involved in the development process that they were really, really committed to doing this. Like they were bought in 110%. They were so excited to have something to offer to patients because I think one thing, and I picked this up from Dr. Galmard many years ago, you know, is don't tell the patient no. We tell them, I can't do that, but what I can do is X, Y, or Z. And so they really were so thrilled to be able to say, I can't accept your insurance anymore, but what I can do is, or for patients who don't have insurance, hey, you don't have insurance, that really sucks, but I can offer you this now, like this will save you some money, this can help you update your glasses instead of waiting till next year, hey, you can get an extra discount when you buy your supply contacts. Um, they were so happy to have something to offer patients um, that I really didn't have any trouble convincing them, but I, I think it was in huge, large part because they were just so involved in, in the process and they understood why as the practice we needed to make those changes. I understood that, you know, those managed care uh, write-offs that comes out of their paycheck. And, um, you know, they knew that it was fair, both as fair both to the office and, and to the patient. Um, I think the thing that they wanted most, and, and if you would call it training, I guess, with staff, it was putting together these things that we could share with patients. So our like cost and saving comparison sheet, they had a lot of input and thoughts about what that should look like. The um, IQ packages that we offer, that was something that we never done before. Um, typically we do all our lenses kind of a la carte, um, but with the IQ plan we wanted to have, and this again was from staff experience, we wanted to have something to kind of uh, offer to patients who are really price sensitive, those patients who might be ordering online or, or who really wanted to order but thought, that we were out of their price league. We wanted to have something really simple, like, hey, this lens package starts at 125. Um, and so we came up with another little, I'll just show you here, I have a picture of it, or an example of it, this little card is kind of like a four by six postcard. Um, and it has the different lens package options on it, what's included, what's not included. 
So again, you know, we could show this to the patient, hand that to them, and you know, they had a really nice visual of seeing what was and was not covered. On the back side, just to kind of fill the back space, we put the different plans and the um, an overview of the optical benefits. So we keep these cards in optical, um, so the opticians can pull this out of their pocket really quickly um, if they have a patient that um, perhaps didn't get a good explanation of the eye care benefits. Um, either at check-in or ahead of time or even in the exam room. Um, so I think the most important part of the training is just making sure that the staff have the right tools to really administer your ideas properly. And if you're listening and not watching, I, the the visuals that, that Dr. Hoff held up are simple. <laughs> just, yeah, it makes it simple for the patient. It makes it simple for the staff. And I think that's a real key to having success with this is being able to communicate this in a, in a simple and and convincing way to the patient without confusing them. I, I think the minute this becomes confusing to them, they start to put up their guard and it'll be less likely that you're going to, to be able to retain those patients. Well, Dr. Hoff, thank you um, so much. I, I'm really, uh, I think it gives a lot of people hope that this, this model is out there. Cause I, like I said, I get asked about it a lot and I think there's a lot of interest in doing it, but haven't really just from a sample size standpoint, seeing a lot of doctors do it successfully, but yet there's a lot of interest in it. So I appreciate you coming on and continued success with uh, with everything that you're doing in your practice. Yeah, thanks. I'll just close by saying we um, officially started offering this plan in August of 2022. So we've had about four months just under our belt here. Um, our capture rate so far for the insurance plans that we dropped had historically been around 45%. And our capture rate with our in-house discount plans is a little over 60%. And we have signed up just shy of 400 patients in four months with the plan. So I'm super excited going forward into 2023. It is our plan to drop another much larger insurance plan um, this year and hopefully um, continue recruiting patients into this IQ plan where we have a little bit more control. So yeah, um, it, I'm happy to share um, some of these documents uh, with you if anybody else um, has has need or want of them. And um, certainly any questions can uh, get uh, emailed to me as well. Happy to answer or help. Well, thank you so much, Candice. And uh, I'm sure there would be a few people who would take you up on that. Uh, I, I wanted to ask about the numbers, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> so um, thanks for sharing that, but that's very impressive. And again, I think this gives a lot of people hope as we look at new ways of, of navigating all the changes in eye care, and how to practice in a way that that allows us to continue to be successful. So thanks so much. We'll check back in with you later to see how you're doing. I'm sure it'll be great. And thanks everyone for listening. And if you would like more information about IDOC and how we work with ODs to help them grow their practice, you can find out more at IDOC.net. That's IDOC.net. Um, any questions for Candace, you can probably just filter through me. It's S-V-A-R-G-O at IDOC.net. So thanks again. Thanks, Candace. And thanks everyone for listening.